Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootspace Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for my for today's episode, Data Sort and ask me questions if I was confusing. I've been, since the Major League season ended, doing a prospect a day review, preview, content, however you want to phrase it, on Bleed Cubby Blue ever since the World Series ended. I was ready before that, but Al wanted to let the World Series end before we started going with my prospect content. It's gone rather well since, I should say. One name I haven't gone with yet is Ed Howard. And today I'm going to walk a bit through what that article is going to be, even though I haven't started it yet. Oh, uh, even though I haven't started writing it yet. There we go. Um, I'm going to go through it a little tiny bit, kind of, in a backdoor sort of fashion. Because I haven't started it yet, and because sorting data is very important to me. Back years ago, when I went to a Kane County Cougars game in Beloit, what would it have been? 2013, 2014, whatever. Jen Hoseng was there. The year that uh, Kane County won the title. Um, 2014, I think it was. I went to go watch Jen Hoseng pitch in a game in Beloit. And he was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. Watching that game, I had a case of Data sort overload. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. Data sort overload. You're used to getting, ooh, here's a bit of data coming in. I'm going to assess this. I'm going to put this bit of data where it belongs in my organizational system. Okay, there it is. There. Oh, oh, okay, it's in its right spot. Hit save. It's saved. Okay, now I'm ready for some more data. Now, ooh, ooh, here's some data. I'm going to grab this piece of data. I'm going to put it where it belongs, and, okay, it's where it belongs. And, okay, now I'm good. Bring me some more data. See how that goes? If you have bits and pieces of data coming in, then you're fine. Now, what happens is sometimes you get into a situation, data piece comes in, gets sorted. Data piece comes in, gets sorted. Data piece comes in, gets sorted. And all of a sudden, data piece, data piece, data piece, data piece. Yeah! And you have data piece overload. You can't download all the information all at one time. For instance, sometimes maybe you're watching a really compelling major league game and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on and you really can't all at one time. Wow, this really good pitcher had this really bad outing and this bad hitter had a really good day and there's... I can't sort all this data. I can't sort all this data right now. It's conflicting. 
I don't know where to put it. I don't know what to do with it. I'm kind of at a loss. Now, as I as I do this podcast, it's December 22nd. There's really not a whole lot of baseball data to be sorted right now. Not a bit. Possibly I can go back and watch a college game from 2021 and sort some data from there. There was one Virginia Tech versus Clemson game where left-handed hitting outfielder Gavin Cross had four at-bats against three different pitchers, went over three, and struck out all three times against left-handed pitching. Now, since I saw that, since I'm aware of that, since I know that, that was data to sort back a while ago. If I put too much weight on, well, in that one game against Clemson, Gavin Cross struck out all three times against left-handed pitching. Now, if I put that as the most important bit of data I have on Gavin Cross and decide nothing in the history of, in the future of the universe is going to buck that one game off of the top spot, then Gavin Cross, I'm going to have a hard time considering him a valid first-round draft pick, yes? Because he had one bad game. Now, if I'm going to overvalue that one game, which is one of the few games I can actually go watch that involves Gavin Cross, if I put too heavy of a weight on that, that's going to adversely affect, adversely impact, my assessment of Gavin Cross, who is on my top 12 player list for the Cubs draft at 1.7. How much weight should I put on that one Gavin Cross game against Clemson? The left-handed reliever that struck him out was very good. The left-handed starting pitcher that struck him out twice was drafted by the Mets. He's pretty good. So perhaps there should be weight put on that. Perhaps there shouldn't be weight put on that. Perhaps there should be a slight amount of weight put on that. As of right now, that game is one of my few bits of data on Gavin Cross. Now, another game that I watched somewhat re recently, there wasn't really a whole lot of data to sort here. Arguably... The biggest bit of data to sort on it was on a player who's not on my top 12 list, even though somebody who is on my top 12 list was involved in the game. I will explain. Carter Young is the shortstop for Vanderbilt. He's a switch-hitting shortstop. Him sticking at shortstop does not seem like an unlikely result. Carter Young will probably be a shortstop at the major league level. Possibly might get booted to third. Possibly might be get, might get booted to second. But he has all the 
He has the air of being a major league shortstop. I don't like to project any further than one year down the line. So for me to say Carter Young, based on a couple of games I've seen him play in college, I'm definitely confident he uncertainly... I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I don't like to over-guarantee on Cubs prospects. I don't like to over-guarantee on college players. I don't like to over-guarantee on anyone. Carter Young looks like a good player, though. Switch hitter, one thing that he looks like he's very good at He's confident at the plate as far as knowing the strike zone. If it's out of the zone, he's not going to swing. He's not going to. Maybe he'll be in the strike zone and he still won't swing because it's not the pitch he wants to hit, at least until two strikes. He has confidence at the plate. Doesn't mean he's going to you know, hit 870 or have a 1540 OPS. He plays defensively. And he's about as good of a hitter as Vanderbilt has. Carter Young will be a good early draft choice. Now, does that mean top five? Does that mean top 10? Does that mean top 15? I'm not quite sure yet. But he's the kind of guy that if you are a team that, if you are a fan of the team that adds Carter Young to their organization, when Carter Young to your organization is announced, you'll be happy because Carter Young, yeah, he's he's good. He's good. As to what he'll officially do, I'm not sure. But all the data that I've seen on Carter Young, Carter Young seems a very capable player. Gavin Cross, particularly against right-handed pitching, probably a better power hitter than Carter Young. Everything else on the field, I'd probably lean toward Carter Young. I'm still not sorting my top 12 yet. They're my top 12. They're who they are. Data sorting in December is rather difficult. Hey, it's merge time. Um, I'm trying to provide you guys with interesting content you won't get from other Cubs sources. Trying. On my Patreon today, I updated the draft order list. The Dodgers will draft 40th. The Braves will draft 30th. The Red Sox will draft 41st. That we already knew. Um... But yeah, it's uh, it, it's starting to come into play. It's starting to come in line. Of course, n nothing else will until the uh, lockout is solved. But yeah, there there's there is eventually going to be more data to sort. Not sure when, not sure what, but there will be more data to sort. I'm trying to provide you value if I'm doing a good job of that on Anchor, on Patreon, on Bleed Cubby Blue. Feel free to contribute to my efforts. At one place or the other. Okay. Ed Howard. Ed Howard was drafted 15th in the July draft. No, June draft in 2020. Ed Howard was a high school shortstop at the time. And he was nothing more than that. He was a high school shortstop. 
He had played at uh, Mount Carmel in Chicago as a freshman, sophomore, and junior. There was no season in his senior season because of COVID. Ed Howard made sense as the twenty as the fifteenth selection. I was totally good with it. I'm still totally good with it. However, here's where some divergence kicks in. Some people thought that because he was drafted at 15, that meant, and then they list a list of expectations, because he was drafted at 15. That's bass backwards. That's bass backwards. What a person should do is assess what is known, admit what's not known, and go with it from there. Instead of, oh, because this guy got drafted here, that means he should this and this and this and assess what is known, assess what is not known. For instance, with Ed Howard, one of the things that was known was he's not going to have a senior high school season. He's not going to have a senior high school season. Why? Because of COVID. You know what? He didn't. He didn't have a senior high school season. Since the alternate training site was only allowed to have players up to 60 in the entire organization, so if there were 28 people in Chicago, they could only have... 32 at the alternate training site. Cubs decided they wanted to have Burl Caraway at the alternate training site, which sounds like is a good idea, but because Burl Caraway was there and because this other guy was there and that other guy was there and this other guy was there and this other guy was there, Ed Howard wasn't allowed to be there. Ed Howard was not allowed to be at the alternate training site because he was not included on the 60-player list. Just how it worked. Not necessarily a wise idea, by ownership, if ownership is prioritizing properly developing all their talent, but that's how it worked. Ed Howard didn't play in 2020. Back a couple days ago, last week sometime, Thursday or so, there was a visual walkthrough, one of those visual 3D walkthroughs of the new Dallas Baptist baseball complex. I think it's a new complex. Maybe it's just a um, facelift to what they had before. But whatever it is, it's, it's a really nice facility. And what they did, they started off, they walked you around through the outfield, they walked you around through the infield, then they walked you over to the dugout, and you, they walked you through the dugout, they walked you through the dugout, the tunnel, the tunnel which led to the... Um, indoor practice facility, which had a whole bunch of batting cages, pitching machines, computers, labs, all that kind of stuff. And at the very, 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 very back of the uh, 2 minute 20 second visual um, walkthrough was the weight benches. The weight benches. Now, I would... I. I really don't have any way to assess the difference between the weight benches between Dallas Baptist and the weight benches at UCLA 
and the weight benches at Nebraska's football complex in the 1980s. And, you know, all that. Uh, teams have what they have. And we don't really know what the weight bench, you know, the um, lifting facilities are in Dallas Baptist as compared to the lifting facilities at Vanderbilt compared to the lifting facilities at with the Tennessee Volunteers compared with the lifting facilities for the Tennessee Smokies compared with the lifting facilities in Wrigley Field compared with the the lifting facilities out in Mesa there's a whole lot that we don't know but the Dallas Baptist facility looks like they could probably deal with most of whatever it was that a person wanted to do as far as weightlifting to prepare for a season. Burl Caraway has commented on how he's down there quite a bit this offseason because Dallas is a relatively good place to be for being outside, getting outside stuff done. And with the facilities that they have at Dallas Baptist, he can certainly get in the indoor stuff as well. What do you think the lifting facilities are at Mount Carmel in Chicago? Right now. Right now for the baseball team. I don't know. Maybe it's the same for baseball and football. Maybe they share. I don't know. Do you think, do you think... The weightlifting facilities right now in Mount Carmel, Chicago, Mount Carmel High School in Chicago, are bigger or smaller than at Dallas Baptist. Don't know, but I would guess Dallas Baptist probably has a larger weightlifting facility than Mount Carmel. Just a guess. Who do you think has more... Um, computers as far as tracking your recent results of your weightlifting? Dallas Baptist or Mount Carmel? I don't know either, but I would guess Dallas Baptist, a university, full four-year university that has a football, a, a, a baseball coach that I don't know what, um, what their head baseball coach makes, but I, I'm sure he's getting a little bit of coin. I'm guessing a mid-major to legit major college school has a better weight bench, has better batting practice facilities, has a better, you know, they, when you have the batting practice facilities, you have all the nets and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. I would imagine it'd be easier to get a proper... 45 minutes of batting practice at Dallas Baptist than at Mount Carmel. Ed Howard did not have any development realistically in 2020. None. Whereas a bunch of the pitchers that he was facing in 2021 when he was with Myrtle Beach had been with Georgia Tech, uh, let's see, Georgia proper, uh, University of Georgia, uh, you know, the good schools, 
the good schools from the good conferences. I haven't looked up the entire roster of who Myrtle Beach faced. But it seemed like most nights when Myrtle Beach was going up against a starting pitcher from the other organization, well, this guy pitched three years at Duke. This guy pitched three years at Georgia Tech. This guy pitched four years at Georgia Tech or Georgia or wherever. This guy is a second round pick. This guy is a first round pick. Oh, but Howard was a first round pick. Howard was a first round pick who was selected out of high school in Chicago based on his glove. Howard was selected as a shortstop that was drafted mainly because of his glove. He was not drafted because he did really well in college. He did not get drafted 15th because he was a first-team all-conference guy in the Pac-12. He was not selected because he had a, oh, I don't know, 14-15 home run season as a draft year guy in a major college conference? No. He was drafted 15th because he was a really good defensive shortstop. If you're going to assess Ed Howard on draft day accurately, your assessment should be Ed Howard was drafted because he is a really good defensive shortstop and the hitting may develop at some point. If your assessment on draft day was something along the lines of that, Ed Howard was drafted 15th by the Cubs in the first round because he is a good defensive shortstop and his bat may follow. If your draft assessment was something along the lines of that, I probably would have agreed with you. If you were walking in saying because he was drafted 15th, that means he should be a really good hitter, have a whole lot of power to the... I would not agree with you. All that we know is what we know. If there's something that we know that we don't know, we should admit that we don't know it. And with Ed Howard, how he was going to develop against much more advanced pitching, probably we didn't know the answer to that. Probably we didn't know the answer to that. He started very slowly, had some injury troubles early, continued to go very slowly, but once the season advanced, June was better than May, July was better than June, I think August was better than July, but July might have been better than August, and September was, season's about over. Assess what you know. Admit what you don't know. If there's something you don't know, admit, I'm really not sure. I'm really not sure. Possibly you might have a guess. And then what you do in that instance is you say, I'm really not sure, but I have a guess that maybe perhaps this. Now, it's all fine, well, and good to say, because the Cubs drafted Ed Howard 15th, I want him to make it to the major leagues. That's fine. 
That's fine. I wouldn't be a whole lot of people who would argue with that mindset. At least not in the Cubs fans universe. Um, but if you're going to start to say that he should, then you ought to base it on information. For me, I don't have enough information. I don't have enough data yet. What I do remember from last year was when he would face pitchers who were first-team all-conference SEC, first-team all-conference ACC, or very experienced in the SEC, or very experienced in the ACC, Ed Howard would struggle. Ed Howard would struggle. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that? How do I know that? Because I was listening to the games. It's not because I was looking at his um, OPS as the season went along and da 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 No, 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 no. I was actually listening to the games. Oh, he's up against a really good pitcher today. He might struggle. Game goes long. Oh, against this really good pitcher, he's struggling. See how that works? If you assess what you know and you assess what you don't know and you make guesses off of what you do know and what you don't know, sometimes you'll be accurate, sometimes you'll be inaccurate. And then you fly from there. Oh, I'm being too harsh on this guy. I'm being too generous to this guy. But if you're not assessing the quality of the talent on the other side, your opinion is useless. Your opinion is useless if you're not assessing the talent on the other side. How did Ed Howard's season in 2021 go? It wasn't particularly good. It wasn't particularly good. And if you're a person who was walking into the season thinking because he was the 15th pick in the draft, he's going to be fantastic on offense, you were wrong. You were wrong. You were wrong. Ed Howard and Christian Hernandez both were... Um, added unofficially or officially to the Cubs at about the same kind of sort of time. And Ed Howard was considered the better defensive player. Christian Hernandez was considered the better offensive player. And when you're looking at baseball reference minor league statistics, you know what's easier to comprehend, to put a bit of a number on? You're right. Offense. Offense is much easier to assess when you're looking at a player's OPS. <laughs> because that's entirely what it is. There is no OPS for defensive players at the minor league level. There just isn't. There isn't. Howard was fine defensively and developed better as the season went along. If I were to give Ed Howard a letter grade for his 2021 season, 
The letter grade probably wouldn't be a letter. It would probably be incomplete. It would probably be incomplete, not because he was bad, not because he was terrible, not because I'm pissed off at him, not because the Cubs screwed up, not because of anything like that. If you are going to give him a bad letter grade, because he didn't hit very well, upon what were you basing that he was going to hit well? Seriously and literally, upon what were you basing off of this information here at Howard? I think he's going to hit really well. Off of what information were you basing that? Whatever information that was, was garbage. It should be disregarded. It should be killed with fire. Know what you know. Know what you don't know. I still haven't figured out how I'm writing my Ed Howard prospect profile, but a bunch of it will probably revolve, a bunch of it will probably hinge on data sort. Right now it's December. There's probably some information to sort regarding data, regarding certain players in the Cubs pipeline. Major leagues, minor leagues, whichever. Who knows? Major league players, maybe the Cubs can even look at data. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can't. But as far as minor league players, there's probably some information. I don't have it. I don't have access to it. Rap Soto or Hawkeye or what's the other one? Yeah, there's a third one. I can't remember what it is. There's probably information. And the Cubs are probably looking at it. The Cubs planners are probably looking at, hey, th this specific pitcher here, he's doing the things that we wanted him to do so that possibly he might... Body mass fat index, or I, I don't know what it would be. But yeah, there's probably some information to be sorted. And I don't have that information. My data sort time begins... When college baseball resumes. Your data sort period begins, I don't know, when, I don't know when yours begins. Mine begins when I have games to start watching. Games to start following. Possibly we start getting to a point where uh, here are some of the opening day games for NAIA baseball or Division Three baseball. That's at least some some level of data to sort. I can decide which games are most interesting to me. But as far as sorting data, right now it's kind of a down period. There's really not a whole lot of data for most of us who have no data coming in to sort. Getting good at predicting baseball stuff is based on data sort is based on data sort. For instance, we're about done. For instance, Frank Schwindel had been a professional baseball player for quite a few years walking into 2021. Now, quite a few people didn't have enough information on Frank Schwindel to properly data sort. 
They looked at this number or that number or the other number. And since he wasn't hitting 1174 as an OPS in AAA, well, he's bad at hitting. Or whatever it was. Never mind that his games were mostly in Omaha. And a lot of Omaha games, when Omaha would go on the road, Omaha most of the time would go east and south as opposed to west. So you have some of those players in the PCL who have ridiculously high OPS numbers, and a lot of those players were out west because high elevation. And some PCL fans, when PCL used to be a term, would think, well, all the Omaha players, all the Iowa players ought to have really high numbers because all of their games are at high elevation, except they weren't. Omaha, half their games are at home. Completely normal elevation. Then you go over and play Iowa. Completely normal elevation. They go play Nashville. Completely normal elevation. They go down to play in New Orleans. It's low elevation. People were sorting data. Thinking the data was telling them something. And it didn't. But their data, the data that they read, said Frank Schwindel, bad baseball player. Bad baseball player. Bad baseball player. I'm going to hold to that forever because bad baseball player. Frank Schwindel shows up, major league level. Ah, uh, he actually had a good two months. Now, does that mean he's going to have a good 2022? Does that mean there's even going to be a 2022? No, of course it doesn't. He's going to have to continue to do what he's what he did last year to have the success he had last year. Data sort. Data sort. Know when the data that you're bringing in matters. Know when it doesn't matter. And if you don't know if it matters, then say, eh, I don't know if this matters or not. Eh, it's looking back at his numbers. Where is it? Georgia Tech. I don't know if it matters or not. See how that's completely honest? I don't know if it matters or not. When data starts to come in, then you can start to sort data, sort new data. Until new data that you are aware of comes in, you're kind of held captive to what was before. Now, if you're really good at data mining stuff along the new statistical realm. VAA, or there's, there's a whole bunch of them. There's a whole bunch of them. Rapsodo, Data, Edgertronic, that's the other one. Rapsodo, Edgertronic, and Hawkeye. Gives a whole bunch of more stuff. And I don't have any of that data. I don't have any of that data. So what I usually end up doing is I try to spend as much time as is reasonable assessing the guy that the Cubs prospect is pitching, is playing against today. The pitcher against the Cubs pipeline today. How did he do in college? How did he do in high school? How well is he valued? 
How well has he done this season? And if a guy who has struggled most of the season comes in and completely shuts down the Cubs affiliate, then that's kind of um, a condemnation of the Cubs affiliate, at least for that day. Whereas, if the pitcher has a really good history and he comes in and does really well against the Cubs affiliate, well, that's probably why I should expect it anyway, right? Because really good pitchers tend to pitch really well. If there is a really good pitcher who did really well against four or five guys, but struggled against a couple other guys, then, oh, okay, the, the guys who did really well against the really good pitcher took steps forward. Data sort, data sort, data sort, data sort, data sort. And, of course, if you're spending your entire day watching the Chicago Cubs play and paying zero, zero percent, zero hours, zero minutes, paying any attention to the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, the South Bend Cubs, the Iowa Cubs, the Tennessee Smokies, or anything else, then all of your data sort will be Major League Baseball-centric, which isn't necessarily the best way to do things, but if that's the way you're going to do things, that's the way you're going to do things. If you're going to assess a prospect, Ed Howard is the one of the day. But let's take someone slightly different, a Reggie Preciado, an Owen Casey, a Kevin Alcantara. People are liking to say, I think this guy's going to do really well in Myrtle Beach in 2021, uh, 2022. All four of them might be, uh, yeah, all four of them might be there. Cristiano Hernandez might get there too. You never know. And it's very reasonable, very realistic for a specific Cubs prospect fan to say, I think all four, all five of these guys are going to do really well in 2022 at Myrtle Beach. Very, very, very reasonable to expect someone might say that. And they might be right. But upon what are they basing said information? Are they basing said information on their hopes and wishes? Are they basing their information on what teams are they going to play? Are they basing their information on um, how good the pitchers are in the other organizations? For pitchers, how good are the hitters in the other organizations? If you're not paying any attention to the other teams, you're not doing your job. You're not doing your job if you're trying to assess how a prospect is going to do. For instance, Myrtle Beach, very hitter, unfriendly park. Why? Does the wind blow in all day? No, it's it's a sea level. It's low elevation, kind of completely the opposite of Colorado. Very low elevation. The ball doesn't carry. As you assess things, as you're trying to put a predicted number upon what's going to be the OPS for this guy, what's going to be the OPS for that guy, do a little bit of homework, do a little bit of research. Is this a good hitter-friendly environment? Are the pitchers going to be good? 
Are the pitchers going to struggle? The teams they're playing, are they any good? Is the guy going to be getting a proper number of at-bats? Assess what's assessable. Data sort is a very important part of learning when it comes to baseball. I can't force you to data sort. You might not want a data sort. Maybe you're along for, you, just, you, you like to cheer for the team and you don't want to do any data sort. That's fine. But if you are of the mind that I'm going to cheer for my team and I'm not going to do any data sort, then say, I'm cheering for my team and I'm not going to do any data sort. And along with that, don't ask me from a logical perspective, are the Cubs going to win today? Don't ask me that. Don't ask me that. Because I don't do data sort. I'm just about, I want to cheer for my team. Then possibly I'm going to be loud and obnoxious and be cheering for my team. And I'm not really going to pay a whole lot of attention to any of the numbers stuff because data sort doesn't matter to me. If data sort does matter to you, then you should probably start paying attention to the opposition. And if the pipeline matters to you, you should probably start paying a bit of attention to the opposition and their pipelines. And if that sounds like a bit of work, yeah, it probably is. You might want to have a couple of sources who are doing that sort of thing that you can ask them questions such as they apply. Data sort is a very important thing if you are trying to educate yourself on baseball. There are angles of data sort that I'm terrible at. There are, data, there are angles of data sort that I'm actually fairly good at. And part of the ones that I'm fairly good at are paying attention to college games. Because I like to pay, pay attention to college games. I like to pay attention to college games, especially in February and March, and possibly even early April. And in 2022, I will be following college games rather carefully especially when there are no minor league games because I'm not necessarily seeing major league games starting soon. I'm, just, I, I, I'm not necessarily seeing it. Baseball is not only major league baseball. Baseball is anywhere where it's going on. I put together my list my partial list today of who's drafting where and when and why. And I included the 10 spot penalty for the Dodgers. I included the Red Sox getting a pick back because uh, Judd Fabian didn't sign. I included the Mets getting a pick back because Kumar Rocker didn't sign. Cubs will probably be drafting second around 45 if they get the second pick, or if they get their second round pick. Data sort. There's not a whole lot of data to sort right now. There really isn't. 
Unless you want to go back and do some research, run some video from last year. But if you value prospect development, how good is this guy going to be? How well is this guy going to do? All that kind of stuff. Data sort is vital. Such to the extent that we find a better way to properly sort data, we become better at predicting what will happen with certain players as they progress through major league organizations. I'm not going to claim I'm good at it. I don't like to go any more than 12 years, 12, uh, 12 months out. Because if I have, for instance, Kevin Alcantara, Owen Casey, no, Kevin Alcantara, James Triantos, and Reggie Preciado. None of them have played a single full season level game in their lives. If I were to tell you how I thought they were going to do in double-A baseball, upon what am I basing that? I have no information. I have no information that's predictive. I'm just basing stuff off a of rookie ball, off a of compound league ball. I, that doesn't tell me anything. What starts to tell me stuff is when players who I'm somewhat familiar with play against players who I'm very familiar with. And players who I, if a player who I'm very familiar with struggles against a player who I'm not familiar with, well then, you know what that is? That's data being sorted. College baseball helps to provide data sorts. If you choose not to do that, so be it. But if you're going to tell me you have a valid opinion on something involving how a player is going to develop, etc., 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 I want to know about your data sort. Thanks for stopping by. I'll have another podcast up soon. And as it's the 22nd of December, I think it's probably about time for us to locate our unadorned poles around our house. Have a great day.